Blog Talk Radio. Bringing you excellent entertainment from the king of DC media. Here's the Inside Acting Radio Show. Here's your host, William Powell, the king of DC media. What's going on, dear listeners? It is I, William Powell. Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Inside Acting Radio Show. Tonight, my guest is Kathleen Davidson, director and writer of the paranormal flick. Primrose Lane, which is about a young couple who come face-to-face with the paranormal in an old house. But before we get to Kathleen, let's hear a word from our sponsor. Tonight, tonight was a good night. You fought well, and for that we have these fortunes. Some say that money is the root of all evil, but I don't believe that. Evil is the root of all money, and you, my big friend, you are evil! I'm Marshall Everett, and I don't always make money, but as a member of Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, I always save money. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, federally insured NCUA. Membership open to federal employees and their families. Fed Choice Federal Credit Union, a proud sponsor of the Inside Acting Radio Show. And if you'd like to advertise on this show, and be heard worldwide, please drop me a line at william400 at yahoo.com, or you can connect with me at the Facebook. The handle there is william.t.pal, or you can connect with me at uh, Twitter at handle inside underbar acting. So now let's hear a little bit more about Primrose Lane. Primrose Lane was inspired by actual paranormal events that occurred in the circa 1885 Victorian mansion that Kathleen Davidson and her family lived at for six years. Two paranormal teams, unrelated to the film, were called in to investigate the home, and they not only confirmed it to have paranormal activity, they reported it to be one of the most active homes that they had ever investigated. Primrose Lane is in development to continue as the episodic series, The Passage, along with the adjunct show Paranormal Living that will feature a variety of paranormal investigators 
ranging from the scientific approach to spiritual belief to quantum physics and beyond. We'll discuss the concepts presented in each episode and related to famous actual investigations throughout history, illuminating and connecting a vast array of theories. Now, by the way, at this writing, Kathleen is uh, aiming to release the film in 20 screens starting next year. And you can find out more about going uh, about this film by going to www.primrosalanemovie.com. That's www.primrosalanemovie.com. So I see she's on the line. Let me bring her on in. Hi there, William. How are you? Good evening. Good, we also good. have the, we have the lovely Sherry Belafonte who's going to be calling in and joining us I'm as here. well. Oh, she's there. I'm here. I'm like here. Magic. Hey, Sherry, like how you doing? I'm on the wall, just hanging out, waiting to hear what you guys oh. have to say. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, thanks for calling in. All right, all right. So, uh, now, Kathleen, I'll start with you. Uh, now, you said the film was based on real events. Uh, tell me a little bit more about uh, some of the things you experienced in that house. Absolutely. Well, well, to start off, just to be clear, it's not like an Amityville horror. It, it, it's not meant to be a, a literal recreation of what we experienced, but it was inspired by what we experienced. And we did actually shoot the film in the the home that I had lived in. So it makes it kind of interesting if you know a little bit of the backstory because you can see the actual location when you watch the film. But uh, I lived there for six years with my family, and when I moved in, I immediately felt drawn to the home and felt like it was mine, which didn't make a lot of sense because, to be honest with you, it was twice as big as what my husband and I were looking for and uh, probably more than we could maintain financially, too. So uh, it, it wasn't necessarily a wise choice, but intuitively we really felt that we belonged there. And uh, through the course of our being there, we experienced, as did many, many, many visitors to the home, everything from disembodied voices speaking to us directly to uh, actually seeing full-bodied apparitions. Very regularly, you would hear footsteps of different body types. So one seemed to be of a child, one seemed to be maybe of a light-framed woman. Sometimes you would hear the heavy thud of boot steps. Uh, and interestingly, on the staircase, you would, uh, which is now, in, in this era at least, it's carpeted, but you would often hear these heavy boots going up and down the staircase as if they were on wood. Um, we heard a child's voice uh, as well as a woman's voice many times, and mm. uh, there were doors that would open. I mean, I could go on and on. You're talking about six years' worth of very regular occurrence, and and as you very um, nicely presented in the beginning here, two different paranormal investigative teams came through, and this was not meant to be any kind of publicity stunt for the film. And In actuality, when we were in post with the film, I had been diagnosed with a brain tumor, and and after my Mm. surgery, the activity in the home spiked through the roof, both for me, for the kids, and for the character, I had a person living in the home taking care of me at that time, and, and everybody was experiencing stuff like every night. And so it became disruptive and, and particularly concerning when it was impacting the kids. So at that point, 
we brought in these two investigative teams. They were in no way related to the film. But the wild thing was they their findings overlapped, not just each other and our experience, but they actually overlapped some of what I had written, too, which pieces that were not the pieces that were taken from the actual life experience, but pieces that I believed to be completely fictional. And as they turned out, they, there was more... Uh, uh, historical. One of the teams, the the scientific-based team, had a historian who really dug deep into the history of the home, and we came to find that um, not sure how this all worked, but I, I, I wrote about things that uh, were were closer to the the history of the home than I had realized. So, and and some of the particular people who had come through at one point or another through history. So it's a, it's a kind of wild adventure that jumps through different eras and time and dimension and uh, deals with entities that are not all human as well, as as did we. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now, Sherry, your, your character, Dr. Hunt, talks about a crystal opening, a portal under the earth. So what's your take on that? I mean, do, do you believe at all in some of the spiritual and historical and scientific underpinnings of the film? Well, what's fascinating for me is that I lived uh, with my stepfather and mother in a house on Upshur Street in Washington, D.C., that we would hear things in the attic. And at first I thought, well, maybe it's raccoons or, you know, or something, or squirrels, but it was very heavily and thumping. And there was there was an attic opening right above my mother's bathroom, and I remember going at one point, and the chair that she had was like a little chair had moved in front of me. So at the wow. early age of eight or nine, I thoroughly sort of embraced the idea of poltergeist and ghosts and otherworldly things and other dimensions and. Uh, oddly enough, I've gone through this. I'm now living in a house that's like in a funny little place that has that somebody passed away on the driveway years ago, and people mm. always, you know, that your place is haunted, right? And while I have never personally experienced a negative energy, I have embraced poltergeists, which I've always learned were just sort of mischievous characters. So when Kathleen, who we've been friends for a while, I actually have worked on a couple of films with her, uh, both behind the camera and in front of the camera. So when she started explaining the story to me, some people may come into the space and go, uh, but I sort of went, oh, cool, let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> so oddly enough, I, I thoroughly agree that whatever she and her kids and her husband were experiencing could definitely have happened. You know, the more we get into quantum mechanics and quantum physics and think of alter, you know, ulterior dimensions, you know, a lot of people will poo-poo it, but you can't help but look at the vast things that we've seen over the years that, you know, went from Galileo looking through a teeny little glass and going, ooh, what's that? And we found out it's the moon, and then you go beyond that, and you go beyond that, and then now, you know... Hubble will be out there and will show you a little teeny tiny black space that now tells you there's other dimensions and other worlds and other galaxies. So I have no problem believing everything that was going on in the house there. But by the same regard, you know, you sort of have to accept that we are probably not the only entities in the universe, or at least in our universe, 
and I embrace anything that comes my way, <laughs> In- including yeah. and hiring me for different jobs. <laughs> so. <laughs> and part of what I I liked about Sherry's portrayal in this role because she plays a chiropractor who has psychic ability and is very tapped in uh, to the universe, if you will. And and she, you know, there are different ways she could have approached that. It could have been a very kooky. Uh, we see a lot of psychics portrayed as being kind of kooky, and She's eccentric, but extremely grounded, which is what I wanted. She really nailed it. Uh, and and I think she gives a, a performance that's pretty outside of the box for how you generally see these things typecast. Absolutely. So, uh, Kathleen, uh, you call your film a psychological thriller, but not a really a horror film. Why was that? It's not. It doesn't want to be a horror film. It doesn't try to be a horror film. You're not going. If you like blood, gut, score, gratuitous nudity, teenagers making out, you're not going to find it in this <laughs> film. It, it's. Uh, you know, I say it's kind of Downton Abbey meets Lost. The you know the show Lost television show. Okay. Um, it's <laughs> a very complex web that uh, that that gets woven and in. You know, it's kind of like putting together a jigsaw puzzle. There are pieces of it that are true to history, not just to the house, but to the you know our greater history within our nation and some of our issues. And so it makes it interesting on that level that you can tap into. And it kind of went for issues that were more of the dark underbelly and things that you don't necessarily see often when you're looking at period films. Um, so it's got that drama going on and these really rich characters. Uh, and and the story really belongs to them. So rather than have it be dependent upon the creep factor or gore factor or you know, sexual element, uh, and not that some of those things don't all come into play, but only when they're warranted, uh, it really centers on the development of these characters and their relationship to one another. Um, but it gets plenty mysterious and creepy and... and uh, and that's I, you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of horror. That said, some of my mentors, like Glenn Morgan and Jim Wong, who originated the Final Destination franchise and did a lot of the original X Files, and um, you know, they're they're kind of the kings of the shock value, and uh, I I love them for it. But no, my my brand is a little more intellectually terrifying, I think, than stuff jumping out to tear you to pieces. But that's also just the mm. first of the three that we're doing. <laughs> right. So there may be a few things yeah. that don't jump out at you, but maybe they'll skip a beat. And... Oh, it definitely gets creepy. Don't get me wrong. It's right. just, you know, to me, there's a big difference because you're dealing with entities from other dimensions who are malevolent. So, yeah, it gets it gets dark and, and, and menacing, but um, our interest isn't, that rip them from limb to limb and have a bloodbath. It's it's like I say, and, and to me it's more, I kind of think it's more terrifying because it has, it's a little more rooted in potential reality. And, and that's why we're developing this adjunct show that, you know, you have the walking dead and the talking dead, and the idea is that we would have the passage and then uh, a talk show that isn't about geeking out about the episode that you just saw it's about bringing in paranormal specialists 
and having them, yes, address some of the things that are going on in the series and what their actual probability is and referencing cases, caseloads that these uh, different types of investigators have had and some of the more famous caseloads through history um, so that you have people from maybe quantum physics and maybe some who are psychics and some who identify as being witches and and others who are skeptics, but they have encountered phenomena that they can't explain away and they've documented it, uh, to kind of bring all of these different beliefs and philosophies uh, to the roundtable and, and see how they overlap. And that was what was interesting about the investigative teams that we had. They were at polar opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of their approach to this and, and their personal beliefs in it. You've got the scientific team who's there to basically debunk and prove that this isn't happening and help you understand um, from a rational perspective, what's actually going on. And then you have you know, the woo-woo psychic and witch team who are purely channeling things, and it's all coming out of the ether, and there's you know, nothing that's terribly tangible about it. But like I said, the interesting thing was how it all intersected and overlapped and, and seemed to, you know, one experience seemed to validate the other when we did the reveal with the teams. And each one of us as the actors who came into the space to work had, my, for me it was minor moments, but there were def- definitely moments where I said to Kathleen, you know, I'm feeling a little something going on here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and other actors that came in went, oh, my God. I went Because I didn't shoot up in the attic, but um, a couple <laughs> of the other actors did. And they went, oh, my God, Sherry, did you go in the attic? And I went, uh, no. And they went, you've got to go up there. And I went, well, no, maybe I don't, because I've been in my own <laughs> attics, and I know what that feeling's all about. But when you find a space like that that really enhances your opportunity to embrace what it is you're, you're doing and portraying, and other actors that are coming in and going, ah! <laughs> you, know, you can't help but want everything good to go with this, because you're going, this is this is kind of... It's not a real story, but it's a real story. And and there were members of the cast yeah. and crew who had very real, at least in their experience, they felt that they had very real experiences in the house. Yes, uh, for instance, absolutely. there was, yeah, yeah, there was, there was a guy on the um, part of the electric department who, I mean, this is a tough guy. He's single. He rides a Harley. He's rough and tough. And yeah. he came one day and he said, I almost didn't come back to work today because, Last night something went home with me, and he said, I, 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 I had a sense the whole way home, like something was watching me and with me, and he's on a bike cruising home, you know, like that's got to be odd, oh, wow. <laughs> like you got someone on the back of the bike, but, but he said, yeah, I felt like um, there was something with me. And when I got home, my whole home smelled like roses. And this is a dude. He does not a single guy. He does not have, you know, rose air freshener lying around. So, um, and then that night, he had a dream. He dreamt of his mother, who's no longer with us. And she urged him not to go back to, quote, that house. <laughs> and uh, he did, against, against his better instincts, he came back. And that was one of the things uh-huh. that... Um, Right now we're doing a podcast series with Pamela Beatty, who is one of the two spirit-based right. in- investigators who came to the home. And if you go to the Primrose Lane movie, if you go Primrose Lane movie on Facebook, you'll find the, the, the Facebook page for the film, and you can find all of these podcast episodes. We do one a week. And uh, we're talking about the actual 
uh, events that happened to my family in the six years that we lived there. We've covered some of these stories about other visitors to the home who also had some crazy things happen to them. Um, but but this is one of them. So so there was the guy who took home the rose lady, and then uh, we had a gal in the art department who and these people worked so hard. They were there so late, and one night she just looked exhausted. And I said, you know, you're welcome. We've got these extra rooms. You're welcome to stay here uh, if you're too tired to drive. And she did. Mm-hmm. She ended up choosing to stay in the kids' room. There were bunk beds in there, and there had been a lot of activity in this room. She chose to stay in the kids' room, and she's on the lower bunk. And she said in the middle of the night she woke up, and couldn't move. She was paralyzed, but she was awake, mm. and that she had a, a sense of, it felt like she's being violated. I mean, not literally that something was having its way with her, but that sense of um, kind of shame and intimidation and fear and threat is what um, she felt, and, and it was particularly terrifying because she, she couldn't move, she couldn't scream, and we've all had, if nothing else, that dream where yeah, you can't those kind wake of dreams. up. Yeah, but she said it was absolute she was absolutely awake and she finally did was able to come out of it um and was certain that it was not something that she had dreamed and you know both of these there's one of the podcasts um we discuss and Pamela channels what was actually happening yeah. it's, it's wild to hear hmm. so uh Sarah did you find yourself being a real life doctor hunt well What's funny is that my mother was a child psychologist and family therapist doctor, and my stepfather, who I grew up with, was also a GP and great, great, great doctor. So I always, as a child, kind of anticipated that one day I would be a doctor, so I always say, I am a doctor adjacent. (laughs) 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 My sister uh, lived in West Virginia, and years ago when I was 16, I helped deliver a baby right out of the woods. There was a woman who friend of theirs, and from that moment on, and I actually sometimes work for a great doctor here in Los Angeles who deals with a lot of people who are um, detoxing, and uh, he knows that I've worked with, not worked with, but, you know, grew up in a, a, a medical family, so I sort of feel like I'm not just one of those people who says, I'm not a doctor, but I played one on TV. <laughs> I actually feel that I'm a little bit closer, even though I don't have a degree. So um, I like the idea of playing this character because Kathleen will tell you, you know, it was quite a while that I had, had been behind the camera, and she contacted me first. She said, would you, you know, I need a steady cam operator on this feature that I'm doing. You, you know, you worked on my short. We do blah, blah, blah. And I said, how long? And she said, you know, I need you for four weeks. I went, oh, God, I can't do that. She said, well, I got this great part. <laughs> you know, you yeah. need to do like a, like a few days. Uh, what do you think? I said, uh, you know, send me the script. And she said, I read the script. And I went, oh, this is so fun. So I thoroughly felt that I could bring my limited knowledge as a child of doctors to the to the screen um, and enjoyed every second of it. And when I went over to Cat's house to sort of in, you know get involved and get engaged and start working on it. There was no question that the house had a spirit of its own. You hmm. could embrace. And my mother, you know, was Native American. My mother was Iroquois. And there's always it's funny because my older sister and I, whenever we go into a new house, whether we're buying one or you know in this. We always come in, and the first thing we do is put up a smudge pot and sort of work the space and get rid of the evil energy and embrace the new energy. And 
brought that sensibility into this, but there was there was a lot more that was going on with Cat's house and I, I'm sorry, Kathleen, but I call her Cat uh, House, and I I can't wait for the other episodes to come up because it's it's a special story, and you know the more we start as an audience to embrace the idea that we're just not alone, I think the more. Yeah and more moments that we can have that will expand our horizons and our purviews to accept that, you know, life is bigger than what we think. And, and you know, right. Sherry, had the added, Sherry had the added challenge of uh, her character was a tribute to a woman who really did, um, who really is a chiropractor, who I'd gone through to for treatment once just to fix my back. And... Um, She's an amazing healer, but while she was working on me, she basically started channeling. And this threw me for a loop because I, I was just going to get my back adjusted. And she really did tell me, you know, there's a portal above your house, and it creates this energy superhighway that entities from all of these different dimensions are passing through. And it's not really so much about your house being haunted, per se. It's just the location of the house. And it really, the portal was there well before the house was. The house just happened to be built right below it. And it, it's become kind of the welcome mat for this, this portal and, uh, and the things coming through. So Sherry actually met, we, we shot a day um, on location at this actual chiropractor's uh, home, and she had the added stress of having to perform with the person whose role she was essentially playing uh, right there, <laughs> telling her, giving her notes. <laughs> and um, but yeah, she did. She did such a magnificent job with it. I had a good time with this, and you know, I think everybody that worked on this, we all smile, going, "What a great time!" Unlike most actors, that will sometimes come into this situation going. <gasps> Oh my God! Oh God! I hope I never have to experience that again. It was a nightmare. This was <laughs> kind of a uh, an enlightening woo-woo moment for all of us. Going, whoa! Did you feel that? <laughs> yeah, I felt that. Wow. <laughs> There's stuff that's going on here, but you know, let's step away. But it was you definitely felt that there was stuff that was going on with that house that maybe wasn't going on in your house. Well, maybe in my house, but not not in your <laughs> house. And, what I will uh, say, I've since moved from that location, and my life is a lot quieter. I don't right. have any issues at my new house. And, and it, it, that was also incredibly con- you know, validating to me that, okay, it was it was the house. It's not just me. It's not just me or my family. It's right. it's the house. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Kathleen, I know that uh, you worked with Sherry before on that, that short uh Effloresce. Effloresce. And yeah. you seem to be uh, in good shape as far as finding people behind the scenes. But talk a little bit more about uh, how you assembled the rest of the cast. You know, I had actors that I've known for years and really respected their work and um, specifically wrote a lot of the roles for those people. And, and it's interesting the way the film came to be. It, it was a total accident. I was. It started as an equipment test. Um, I was doing for a completely unrelated other project. Uh, and I was testing cameras in my home just because that was cheap and available. And because I was being cheap and thinking like a producer in this waste-not-want-not mentality, I wrote um, 
I wrote scenes that took place in the home that were telling the story, but it was not for the other film at all. It was the beginning of Primrose Lane. And the crew got really invested in the story of it. And and this is actually, oddly enough, how I ended up being in the film. I would not, I would never have played this role if I knew we were going to go on to actually make a feature film with it that might go on into a series. Um, I was yeah. only in it because I thought it was just an equipment test and I was there and available. And uh, I pulled my friend Curtin, who also plays the lead in Fluoresce, and again, he's just there because he's an actor I respect. He's a good friend of mine, and he was willing to come and play ball with me to do this equipment test. And then it took off, and, and the uh, the crew got really invested. The script got shared with Bobby Finley, who is our director of photography, and Bobby and I had met, and he said, I really want to do this project. Who's representing it? And I said, well, it's really not it's not even really a project. It, it, it's just kind of unfolding, and um, I'm supposed to be doing this other thing. And he said, can I take it to my agent so that she could package me into this? And we got to talking and decide, well, he wants to shoot it, and I want to direct it, and we ended up pooling our resources so that we could do that together. Uh, and I ended up having to stay in the role because we had already shot some footage and we, we were working on a shoestring budget so we couldn't go back and reshoot that footage. And that's actually how I ended up in the film. Now, other people like Sherry came on board once it was formalized in a real project and um, was, she was very intentionally written into, uh, into the story. But I, I wrote... Uh, well, I wrote that role kind of with Sherry earmarked in the back of my mind as I was writing, and, and there were there's a younger uh, there's a woman who plays a young psychic in it, and she was a woman I had interviewed because I, I once I started to really focus on the screenplay, I was interviewing all of these different people uh, who had some experience with a, an interesting paranormal background of some sort, and I brought yeah. in April Matson. Who you know? Who is an actress? She had been on. She was a regular on the the sci-fi shows, um, Quintuplets and Kyle XY, and she had her own wild story, and had been mentioned to me by uh, Curtis Mark Williams, who who plays the lead male role, and so I was interviewing her in the house, and as she's telling me her own story. I'm thinking I got to write her in. <laughs> I want I want her her in this. And so the role that she plays is also, again, loosely inspired by her own story and experience. Um, and there are very few members of the cast who were random. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm thinking there are probably only two. The the um, There's an Edwardian-era cast and a contemporary cast. And the gentleman who plays sort of the patriarch of the Edwardian era, uh, Noah James Butler, he was our only last-minute surprise cast member. And, and originally there was another actor who was slated to play that role, and we had already done the you know, wardrobe fittings. We were, I think, two weeks out from shooting his role. We were already in the thick of filming, and he had to pull out because he had conflicts. He was on another television show. And so at the last minute, we're left having to recast this role and redo all of this period wardrobe and we've got two mm. weeks, and, and I'm filming, so there's no time to do casting, you know, traditional casting. We did put out yeah. a casting call, but um, I went through with over 3,000 submissions and, 
and I'm looking through all of these people's reels and asking for them to send video footage of a scene because I don't have time to do the casting call. And that's how we found Noah James Butler. I, I looked at his picture, and I was like, that's the guy. It was just even his look, and then his reel was good, and he sent the scene, yeah. and we cast him without ever having met him in person. We were just rolling dice and crossing our fingers, and nice. he worked up beautifully. Nice. Yeah. So in Sarah, fact, he won uh, right there in D.C. He won for Best Supporting Actor at one of the festivals there in D.C. Awesome. So, so Sherry, are you going to be in the series? Hopefully, I'm looking both forward to Ephelores being something bigger than it really is. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. <of> <laughs> Kathleen, actually, when we first, well, we met a little before, but when she was doing Ephelores, which is the short, obviously, that she was first talking about, that she came on board, you know, as the director and actress in it, uh, she asked me, I was invited to become the steady cam operator and um, still photographer for that because it was a short and it was only going to be over a week's time. And when, like I said, when um, Primrose Lane came up, she contacted me. This was a few months later. She was like, I'm doing this now, and I still, you know, and you're such a great steady cam operator. Will you come on board? Uh, and I so love this story that we are now putting it in a position to pitch to become a series, and I would adore being in this part knowing where the other two segments could go or the series if it's you know a five-year show <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, <laughs> the bottom line for me is that Kathleen is such a dynamic director actress just entity in our entertainment industry and the way you sort of make your way through this industry right now is to form allegiances and to form alliances that you can create your own little group with to push and you know promote your projects through because our industry has become so different over the last few years you know it used to be that you had an agent and and a uh, you know a manager and they submit you for things and there were so many things that you could go to but then not unlike life everything gets kind of glommed down to five people five groups that handle 90% of the industry, and the yeah. way you kind of help and promote yourself is to get these very creative groups together that can inch their way back into the industry to make it very apparent that there are stories to tell and people that are there to tell them in creative and wonderful ways. And with all the stuff that's going on right now, I think you know, you're looking at the entertainment industry and hearing how women are, especially the Jennifer Lawrence's and <laughs> Everybody else is out there going, women are underpaid and under, you know, utilized and undervaluated. I'm so happy to be in Kathleen's pool of people to be working with her because I think she's a strong entity, and I totally will be there to support her every step away of the way that she wants to with any project that she comes along with. But this is one of those ones that you just think, this looks like something that could be on Amazon or Netflix or. <laughs> yeah, and you know, William, it, it, it's interesting. Yeah. They, they certainly don't hand it to you on a platter. You've got to, you know, we're coming in as an, into the into this as an independent film, and there are certainly no guarantees about our positioning. We've had some preliminary uh, meetings for the series, and 
um, certainly there's a lot of interest. It will. It remains to be seen if the original cast will be able to remain intact, and that's part of why we're, we're excited to be talking with you, and we really want to share um, this original cast and the backstory with as many people as we can, because the more following each of these cast members and the story itself uh, bring on board now, the higher our chances that we'll get to be remain intact as we move forward as a series. Absolutely. But the intention, so the intention, the grand hope, the dream is that they all get to stay. <laughs> and I can tell you that Sherry's character, because I've already developed the, you know, the, at least my concept of the whole first season and beyond, and I can tell you that Sherry's character absolutely comes back. And um, if for no other in a really, <laughs> in a really cool way. So <laughs> you want to see her. You want to see her do that now. <laughs> Yes, because right. I so have we're down to about representation, and they're going to beat her up later if I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> we're down to about truly, six you know, minutes it's, to it's, go. We're, we're excited about the idea that this can go beyond just a great film festival. You know, it's winning a ton of things and all the film festivals that we're into, and we're so excited that people are, you know, are, are catching on and going, ah, "This is cool. Let's see more." Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. That's and, right. And, and our other project, our other project that we've kind of left in the shadows here a little bit, FLRS, um, is also something that we would love to take into a series development. But right now, Primrose Lane is sort of our baby, and and there's only so much you can only split your your focus so much, especially when you're doing it from the independent side. It's incredibly labor intensive, and Sherry and I have both worn many many hats through the process of this. And uh, right now we're, we're pouring it all into that, but we do hope to circle back around to FLRS and also bring it back into a series format down the line as well. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, we're getting down to about uh, four and a half, five minutes here. So just, uh, Kathleen, you can just quickly talk about some of the awards you've won and uh, the film has won. And then, uh, Sherry, talk a little bit about the uh, Dog and Pony Show, and then Kathleen, you can just wrap up with uh, your marketing campaign for 2016. I know you're coming up. You're trying to get it on 20 different screens. Absolutely. Um, well, we're really proud that we have won the, the awards you want to win. You know, best film, best original screenplay, best director. Mm-hmm. A lot of Sherry has won for best supporting actress. A lot, a lot of our cast members have won. Um, at almost every festival we've played, uh, we've we've taken home some wonderful accolade, and uh, now we're it's about getting our numbers up. We uh, we have to build our following, and with that, if we hit the mark, we got to build 50,000 legitimate invested followers, and. If we hit that mark, we have an, uh, a potential investor who's interested in putting up the the, the marketing because you know you end up spending way more on the promotion of this stuff than you did actually making it. So we have someone who would put up the marketing funds for us to have the theatrical release. So that's our goal. And if you can, if your listeners can check us out on Facebook, and like I said, you can find the the podcast. It's free. There are no commercials. There. Are quick and easy to listen to. Um, and if you like the page on Facebook, that's the best way to support um, the project and, and the actors. And go like there. We're trying to build their followings on Facebook and Twitter. So please, check them out. Follow them. All right. And then, uh, Sherry, I know you had a project coming up. You're working on a, a dog and pony show. There's 
quite a few different voiceover things that have come my way, and Dog and Pony Show is one of them where I play a cow. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I, I was actually just while Kathleen was talking, I was looking at my cell phone going, ooh, I've gotten an offer for a fish movie. There. <laughs> so I'm now the voice of these cartoon characters. Move over, Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> so, um, can I come be your guppy sidekick for one of these? Every day in our industry. I can play a chicken. That's right. I can be a chicken. I can be a chicken. Yeah. I did a, a novel for some friends that are putting up their book on Kickstarter. I read like a little part. So, you know, every day our industry is changing radically. It's not what you think it is. It's not what you think it was. You are constantly in reinventing yourself, both as an actor and a behind-the-scenes person. Kathleen will tell you, my first and foremost thought when I was four years old and my grandmother first gave me my first camera was to be behind the camera. But as fate would have it, I ended up in front of the camera so often and for so many years, both on magazines and in television and in film. But, you know, there's everything about the entertainment industry intrigues me and entices me. And I just want opportunities all the time to be still engaged. And hopefully with the projects that Kathleen's got and stuff that's, you know, sort of eking my way, I will continue to do this well past my, you know, dad's age, which is 87. <laughs> so, <that's, laughs> all right. That's, you know, everybody, all right. Kathleen and everything that she's on because I know I'll be attached. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> that's right. Well, you ladies were fantastic. I just thank you so much for coming on the show, and I wish you uh, much success. Thank you. Thank you, William. Thank you. Take care. Uh, All right. Have a great night. Good night. night. And let me leave you with this quote from uh, Audrey Hepburn. Nothing is impossible. The world itself says, I'm possible. Night.